0: Hello, I'm Sierra.
1: And I'm Andrew.
0: And we're the Newmans.
1: And this is our Tavern for Two. Welcome back, it's been a while.
0: I guess we may as well say, welcome to season two.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was enough of a break. I think it qualifies for a a season break at that point.
0: Yeah, we weren't really intending on it. We were hoping to continue on, but... Our schedules just weren't allowing it, and we needed some recalibration on what we were doing here, and trying to make time for actual D&D games besides just talking about it, and just a lot of personal turmoil that we won't bore you folks with. But
1: we are okay and ready to continue. Yep. And today we have a nice, fun topic To kick this new season of the show off with. And that would be
0: 12 years of D&D and our, our long journey. Which, you know, Andrew said this will be a fun episode, but nostalgia also makes for some sad moments too.
1: And as part of the nostalgia, today we will be discussing some of our favorite characters.
0: Yeah, but to start off, you know, 12 years. Actually, I just watched one of my uh, favorite YouTubers celebrate her 12th year today, too, so that's kind of interesting. A lot of people are celebrating that kind of milestone, and it's it's crazy. Like, I thought it was crazy when we said, you know, happy 10 years, because, well, we were also celebrating our 10-year relationship anniversary at the time, so.
1: Yep, they are quite close together.
0: Yeah, like, a day apart. Exactly. (laughs) So, you know, know, I thought it was insane when we were past, like, the five-year mark. Or even crazier with the ten-year mark. But now we're past the ten years and it's like, oh, shit. We're still doing this. Where do we go from here?
1: Yeah, three more years and it'll be half my life. Yeah? Literally half. Math is weird. It makes you feel old.
0: Yeah, like, that's prolific, but also really sad that we're almost 30. Jesus. <laughs> so, yeah, now that we've all been reminded of our uh, mortality, once again, you know, 30 hits like a truck, remind the kids, where would we start, you know? Where did we start this whole adventure?
1: Well, our D&D adventure or our adventure? I guess they're intertwined. Yeah, uh High school. Both high school is where we started
0: yep.
1: you and I started dating and the next day D&D because we couldn't time things more perfectly
0: yeah we just talked about this if I've been waiting on you to say anything about why to date me I would have been waiting till Christmas so
1: Ah uh, yes well many many years ago as it is I am what they would refer to as a pussy Uh, However,
0: as as it is, Veterans Day is a really weird holiday already because, you know, Veterans Day and like how do you, you know, quote unquote, celebrate, but also like it's our anniversary. I got my braces off that day. Like, it's a lot of things. Yeah. So it's a very strange day.
1: You could say that.
0: Well,. we like to keep things easy and just stack it all together so that way it's a whole day. Yeah. Because we do that with a lot of our days, I noticed. Because we got married right by your birthday, so that way we wouldn't have to worry about another thing to celebrate.
1: I mean, that was your idea.
0: Eh, makes it easier to remember, right? <laughs> anyway, though, we got started, you know, in the most stereotypical way a kid plays D&D, you know, in the basement with all your friends except we didn't have snacks I remember mostly being hungry during those days but you know high school kids they can't afford food yeah and your parents well your mom and stepdad they weren't the provide provisions to the children kind of family nah not really we were lucky to be offered water
1: (laughs) but play we did and boy was it fun Nope. so much so that 12 years later here we are still doing it
0: yep and we all
1: talking to you folks about it
0: well in the beginning you were the only one that owned any dice and we all like five or six of us had to use your dice yep no one else owned dice
1: had one set then got two more sets gifted to me by my dad because they were his and my mom's old sets and uh,
0: and then we yeah. still shared sets yep and then till college. Yep, and I've not stopped buying dice since.
1: Nope, you are definitely the bigger dice goblin. (coughs) And it's a tuxedo cat in the Tuxedo Cat Tavern. Hey, Perry.
0: Meow. She is the founder and owner of the Tuxedo Cat Cafe Tavern place. Thing. Yep.
1: You need people of intelligence on this sort of mission quest thing
0: mm-hmm.
1: up here mm-hmm. and off Where's
0: she goes going, <laughs> anyways it was much like the uh, what the movie show except you know I don't think in the movies there was kids laying on the floor on the cold cement as a way to cool off during the long days of D&D in the hot summer
1: No, but maybe there should have been. Yeah. Very realistic.
0: Very perks of a wallflower, though, the time that we ran across the baseball field trying to find a water fountain, though.
1: (laughs) Yeah, the amount of uh, little adventures that we had on top of just our regular play. Yeah. Made it feel very special.
0: Yeah, we started, you know, in the... In the most stereotypical way of gang of people that you wouldn't necessarily think to hang out because I didn't make sense in the group of boys I didn't talk to any of them really at school <laughs> except for you because Sean and I no- I don't remember ever talking to Sean at school
1: no I don't believe so
0: Michael and I would but and still Well, he was more in the whole friend group. Like, he was the bridge between the two friend groups, yours and mine. But then your cousin also did go to an entirely different school, so he doesn't count.
1: Nah, he had an excuse.
0: (laughs) But yeah, as far as things go, like, you all made sense to talk to each other and hang out. I was the weirdo (laughs) that did not belong. Yeah, well,
1: you always have to have an outside perspective. And you're still the outside perspective.
0: Yep. Still the only girl in the group. holding strong.
1: Yeah. We've had other girls, but,
0: you know, people
1: move. People finish college.
0: There's got to be one of us. Yep.
1: And you married the DM, so. I'm stuck. You are here. You are eternal.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, from there, you know, we switched up venues over the years. We've, you know, started groups from scratch a few times over since. Um, Changed editions a couple times. Yep. Um, (laughs) Still make our maps the same way.
1: Yeah, well, I'm poor. I can't afford Dwarven Forge.
0: Or... Well, we, even if we could afford to make our own stuff with time and crafting, we can't afford the space. Yeah. That stuff doesn't fold away easily.
1: Nah. And when you're playing at a long folding table, there's it, just not enough room, especially considering how many people play with us.
0: Yeah, we don't believe in small groups. No. We keep trying it, but we just keep failing at it.
1: Too many friends who want to play. And feel bad leaving them out.
0: Yeah. But, you know, we've had our transitions. We've moved on here and there from things. And now we're at the present day. You know, fifth edition. Pretty steady group for the past year, I'd say. We haven't, yeah. We haven't gained anybody. We haven't lost anybody in the past year.
1: Eh, Logan's within the year, but... He's been around for a while now.
0: Oh, we did lose, uh... Well, no. We traded Travis's this year.
1: Yeah, we we traded Travi. (laughs)
0: Yep. Draw
1: and discard. So I guess the question is, why are we still doing this after so long?
0: I ask myself that all the time. Especially when people are late. (laughs) Or we can't figure out what day of the week to play on. And we've been sitting on it the same question for three weeks.
1: Yep. The eternal struggle. We play on the fifth. You have my sword, you well, have my bow, the fifth is, isn't is great for me. you all
0: work at the same place. Except for myself and, like, one or two others of us. Yeah. And everybody else works at the same place, and yet we still can't figure it out.
1: Oh, well, that's what happens when it's a 24-hour joint. Because we work the same place, but not all the same shift.
0: Yeah, because also they don't believe in availability.
1: Besides all that... I mean, I can say that the reason I still play, personally, after 12 years, the reason I still put so much of my time and effort into DMing, because I'm DMing three games right now, soon to be two, we're merging two games into one, so I'll only be DMing two games. But the reason I put so much of my time and effort into that, and also into playing characters in a couple of those games, it's the fun, and it's the experience being able to make up these stories and see how you guys interact how insane we make things together all the different character interaction, the jokes, the awesome fights.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree, you know, that's a lot why I play is, you know. It it fills that void that I have from, you know, not being in like theater and stuff like that anymore. It kind of, you know, I treat it all one and the same, especially since, like, as far as role-playing goes, besides you, because you're running the thing, I'm probably the most theatrical, but I can't help it.
1: I mean, I would say you're definitely right on that, but... Yeah. It definitely adds.
0: A lot of the reasons we, you know, we continue to do this is... I mean, to be quite frank, like, what else would we be doing with our friends, too? Playing, like, Smash Bros. all the time?
1: Fun to do, but gets boring after a while.
0: I also get really upset and just... I I guess I, you know, to put it nicely, I just... After a few matches, I just kind of turn into Hulk. You know? I just get so mad. But I mean, also, part of the reason why we play is, I think, just to... You know, we even before we started dating, you know, it was something that we, you know, you taught me about and everything, and it's kind of one of those things where we can kind of, you know, this is a sappy thing, but, like, we can hang on to the early days of our relationship. Like, I mean, how lame was that? And, you know, one way or another, you know, that D&D is the way that we can do that, but.
1: I really appreciate having that.
0: yeah. It's also cool though to say like in the case of my first character's Luthien's paperwork. That's why I call it character sheets. It's all just paperwork to me. It's cool to say that I have a piece of what was it? Cardstock? You're those on? Like I yeah, have like yeah. I have that piece of pencil-written cardstock still. Like I, you know, like I don't have much in the way of like school assignments left over from when i was a kid because mice got into them like i had my preschool diploma and stuff like that that was in my childhood bedroom but like i have on top of all that sentimental stuff i have you know like my very first character sheet and stuff like that and it's cool to be able to say you know look at what i did
1: <laughs> and piggybacking off of that Playing as long as we have, you play a lot of different characters.
0: Yeah, with a lot of people, and that's also like something is for as long as we've been playing. That's really cool is seeing how different people evolutionize the group. Because you know, Andrew and I, we're (laughs) we're still us. You know, we've always acted the same way with groups. But it's interesting to see how different people influence us when we play.
1: Yeah, influence us and influence each other and the general mood. It's
0: yeah, because some of our players cool we've Well, concerning some of our players, was it uh, the Travis we currently have? We've known him for seven years now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, seven years. The Travis we currently have in the group. We've had him since. Our second college group, so the more stable one, I'd say.
1: Yeah, our first year college group was a gigantic mishmash group, all thrown together because I don't take, I don't turn people away.
0: Well, I mean that one. And there
1: were a lot of people who were interested.
0: Well, that one you didn't really turn people away either, but people kind of dipped out as they needed to, as it was. So like they naturally dwindled down. Yeah. And the group that we formed that second year college, we hung on to for like a good. Three years, yeah, like
1: a little bit more than that in yeah, the case for, of some people.
0: No, we hung on to him for four years. for the For the majority of that group, we hung on to him for four years as a solid group. It was until 2019 that everybody said, "I believe," really. But yeah, like that was our most stable group for a long time, and probably still to this day in some cases. But we saw have drivers from that group, and um another friend of ours, like. Joined par- partially, part way through that uh, era, Josh. Yep. So, like he's and part- he still plays. Yep. So, like those two are part of the you know golden era of our time. He also
1: listens to this.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, and that that's also something. But um, you know, the production value of the game has and running the game's gone up.
1: Yes, we've definitely learned a lot over the course of twelve years. Me as a DM, I've learned a lot over the course of twelve years, and we've improved quite a bit. Cost. And also been able to, you know, help our groups improve their role playing and.
0: Yeah, you know, well, when other I say aspects cost as well. value, I mean like not just the blood, sweat, and tears that you've put into this, but like the amount of money you've put into on, for books. And then yeah. obviously the money we've put in for dice. The amount of money we've put in for notebooks. Which if you're a and d player, obviously hit those back to school sales every chance you get. Mm-hmm. Or check out yard sales because you might find you know, school supplies there that people are selling. Yeah, That's how I get all mine. Between the back to school sales and then yard sales. And also you get a lot of stuff from your work parties too.
1: Yeah, yeah I do.
0: And I work at a craft store so... Everything else kind of falls into place. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there's the production value of all the snacks we've provided over the years. You know, the entire meals i put together in some cases. There's also uh, the hundreds of hours of music playlists I've curated. There's cleaning our (laughs) current living place so that way we can play D&D at the table and not just, you know... Hold our stuff.
1: Sit on the floor like heathens.
0: Well, we used to have to do that when we didn't have a couch, though, at one point. Yeah. <laughs> well, we had a couch. It was just a single loveseat, though.
1: Yep. Had to but, rotate the
0: couch. And no uh, coffee table for a while there, either. But, yeah. But, you know, like... It's just it's interesting seeing the the production value of the whole show...
1: Yep, still not to the point where I can have, like, a big-ass
0: table with a
1: screen in it or something like that, but, you know, maybe one day.
0: <laughs> I'd at least just, like, a table where... I win the lottery. <laughs> I don't even want a screen in it because I don't want one of our klutzy friends or myself to just drop something on it, but at least a table that has cup would be cool. Like, some of those, like, poker-like d tables you see out there that have the cup holders and the built-in dice trays that you can, like, attach with magnets. Nice. I'm good enough of that because we've had so many people knock over cups onto maps.
1: True. Well, not yeah. so much recently.
0: That's because we all got smart and started only having capped stuff on the table. But we've had too many accidents.
1: With all of that...
0: Yeah. Besides the people we play with, there's also the people we, well,
1: play as.
0: Yeah, play with, play as, what? However.
1: Yeah, and really the main focus of this uh, particular talk, uh, I believe we agreed we're both going to be doing our top three favorite slash most influential. Uh, characters that we have played over the last 12 years. However, as an addition to that, not counting those three... Well, there's
0: two additions because there's honorable mentions.
1: Yes, we're both doing our first character. Yeah. Or not quite first in my case, but I'll explain that. And also an honorable mention for a character who maybe didn't hit the same notes that some of the others did but really deserved or deserves, you know, some spotlight. Uh, do you want to start or should I?
0: You go ahead.
1: Okay, I am not covering my first ever character that I actually played because my first character and a couple others that I made in that time were mostly just test cases.
0: You're just learning how to make characters, really.
1: Yeah. The first character that I played for a lengthy period of time was Corin Storm, and he went through a lot of evolutions. Oh, yeah. He was for our Team Chaos game. That was our, our first true D&D campaign.
0: Speaking of changes, his last name even changed, because it wasn't always Storm. It was like Storm or something.
1: I just it's still spelled that way I just pronounce it plain storm because I don't want to try to figure out how to pronounce s-t-o-i-r-m and make it sound good (laughs) so storm is fine because storm.
0: insert just straight sarcastic Kermit the Frog face I don't know how to explain it I just or like you know how Bert looks at Ernie just like but that That's how I'm looking at Andrew right now. Just like, then why have it that way? Anyway, though. Because
1: I'm trying to pay homage to the Celtic roots of the character. Anyway.
0: Celtic, Nordic, I think he was uh, Egyptian at one point.
1: Well, okay. He is a complicated character with a lot of changes. Let me explain. This
0: guy could have been three characters is what he's really saying. Let me explain. (laughs) Please, let me. Well, that's a good way to start it, though. He could literally be three different characters.
1: Well, okay. I first conceptualized him with a different name, and he was a ranger.
0: I couldn't pronounce it, so I told him to change it.
1: I mean, I was going to change it anyway. It, it didn't fit.
0: No, I know, but that was a big push as I couldn't pronounce it.
1: Well, he was a ranger at first. However, at the time, I was playing Prince of Persia games, and, you know, I thought the character was really cool, so he ended up switching over into a fighter rogue. I was also playing some Assassin's Creed at the time, so he used a... Uh, Yeah, three specifically, so he used a a hand axe for a while,
0: See, and he was supposed to
1: be a strong and fast fighter uh, who could sneak and do all that kind of stuff, because I really enjoyed that character archetype.
0: See Assassin's Creed for more information later on.
1: Yeah, I'll get to him. (laughs) I'll get to him. But regardless, Corrin went through some changes.
0: What video game will influence him next? Well, we
1: all take our influences from somewhere. I know, but... That's just one of mine.
0: That's literally how we could keep track of your D&D characters for a while there, though. What game are you playing?
1: Well, it's no worse than what anime am I watching right now, because that's been a lot of our friends.
0: Not my problem. I don't do that.
1: Nope. However... Uh, yeah, Corin has a special place because he was my first long, long-term character who stuck around for a game. And yeah. while he did change quite a bit as my interests evolved over the course of that...
0: We like to joke about his personality disorder. Well... Not in-game, but... Well, sometimes in-game we would, but mostly out-of-game to pick on Andrew we would.
1: Yeah, pretty much. But he... I ended up having him focus a bit more on Norse traditions, even though he came from the desert because of the Prince of Persia basis, uh, and he ended up falling more along those kind of warrior lines, uh, especially because he was the one who would always wrestle with our, uh, berserker gang, freaking chaotic, evil, oh. anime character, uh, friend, yeah. And was the only one who could reliably wrestle him down.
0: Aw, oh, that not going to get messy.
1: No, you you would talk to him and I would wrestle him. And between the two of us, we could keep a handle on him. Um, Yeah, Corrin went through a lot of changes. Uh, I eventually settled on making him more of the Norse, you know, inspired. And also making him more along the lines of a cleric after the characters became deities and he decided to lean into that and also he had gained uh, wind powers
0: through the power of homestuck
1: yep the power of the breath or the breeze Um, and it ended up channeling into also lightning as well Uh, so there was a lot of influence there Overall, his build took some turns. Uh, he became a martial adept, too, in the later game. Yeah. Because yeah, it was more elegant than just fighter rogue, but...
0: Yeah, he was definitely the quiet friend of the group, though.
1: Yep, he was the quiet one who typically was the voice of... Maybe not reason, because usually Luthian ended up doing that, but he was definitely the voice of morality... Yeah. When one was needed.
0: But it made sense, him being the more quiet one, since you were also trying to run the game for us and couldn't always, you know, have him talk. But that also wasn't something you, like, really knew how to do yet.
1: Yeah, I was still learning.
0: So, Corrin didn't really talk unless we were, like, specifically roleplaying, like, the gang hanging out or something.
1: Yeah, he was a strong silent type, but it also played into his high wisdom score and his insight.
0: Yep.
1: A little bit later on.
0: But his personality shown when we were, like, hanging out at the Red Dragon Inn and, you know, traveling and stuff. Like, he wasn't always a mute.
1: Yeah. Contemplative and insightful, but also a boisterous bruiser when he, uh, is riled or drunk.
0: Yep. Well, definitely a fan favorite.
1: Oh, yeah. And in your case, one of his companions... Yep. Your first character.
0: Yep, Luthien Hamil, who I don't even think had a last name until like three or four years into playing said character. Nope. But she's definitely my first. Um, Named her after the Luthien from the Lord of the Rings. Didn't know that. Didn't didn't watch Lord of the Rings until a year? No, not quite a year after playing D&D. It was yeah. that summer after we started?
1: I, however, was a Tolkien nerd already and recommended the name.
0: Yeah, cause I didn't know, but yeah, Luthien. She was created just off of whatever sound good, from what Andrew's listening off to me. But, um, so she started out really oddly, but as the time went on and everything, she rounded out to like the, the eldritch knight kind of thing, you know. Magic and sword fighting, and you know, had some moral uh, compass issues that straightened out. But she was, she was definitely the one that, like, we were playing in a world that we were creating. But I think Luthien really gave the world the backbone that it needed to flourish the way that it did. You know, because of, her, well, I am the only original member of Team Chaos to be in it. So, you know, from there, Team Chaos flourished into you know, Sebastian and the Red Legion, which gave way to Darum. So, you know, based off of my character, you know, technically, our characters, we got a whole new wor- whole new section of our world and etc. So, like, I'm really grateful for her for that because well, also I mean Laurel too, or her other sibling gave way to even more of the continent so I, if not for Luthien we wouldn't have as much world as we do but also if not for Luthien the campaigns wouldn't have gone the way they did either in the case of the Darum or the Ravandor like all three campaigns start with Luthien because she's in session one of every... Well, I wasn't in the first session of uh, the first campaign. I started at level five because I was the last to join. But, like, every subsequent uh, campaign to have her featured had her in the first session. <laughs> so that's something pretty special. I mean... It's also, you know, not for lack of, uh, not wanting to let go, because it definitely is that, but, you know, your first character, you base a lot off of yourself, and... You never forget your first. No, nope. Luthien was everything that I wanted to be at the time, you know, be able to stand up for myself, and, you know, she was just one of the guys, and, I mean, at that time, that, that was me. I was, you know, just one of the guys on the weekend hanging out, and... So I was really special. But, you know, like I said, if not for her, where would we be? She's like the Pikachu to Nintendo, kinda, for us.
1: Kinda, yeah. Luthien. Luthien was the heart of Team Chaos, most definitely. Hot?
0: That's funny, because that's her homesuck power! And yours. Yeah, exactly. That's why we're. That's why she mirrored the same person.
1: Yep, team mom. Yep. Now Luthien, Luthien was always a joy to play with. She was a dreadfully effective tank on the front lines, especially considering the fact that she did not use the traditional elven weaponry of sword and bow. Uh, she liked using everything exotic.
0: Well, I don't like including
1: massive to... hammers. I don't
0: like having to keep track of arrows. That's the reason why all my Anything that has ammo, I make it so it doesn't.
1: Yep. You always go for infinite ammo eventually. I'm
0: not dealing with that.
1: um uh, Yeah. Massive hammers that she could pogo around on. Thank you, Homestuck, once again.
0: Yeah. Also, uh, thank bladed you. Bladed
1: boomerangs.
0: Yeah, thank you, Tide 2, for that one. Also, thank you, Scott Pilgrim, for the whip sword, because, you know.
1: Yep, her primary weapon, the whip sword.
0: Yeah. See, I don't base characters off of, and that I build off of other characters necessarily. Like, some personality traits here and there, sure, I'll grab. But it's the weapons that I, you know, weapons and items like that, I will, I will definitely snag. But also, well, it wasn't just TIE 2 that gave me the idea of the Blade Boomerang. It was also, um, uh, what? F- it was Clouds, right? No, no Hope. Hope. It was...
1: I was very much into Final Fantasy Thirteen for a while and took some inspiration for Korin from Lightning. And I also showed Sierra the character of Hope S-Time who fights with a boomerang when he's not casting spells. And... Yeah,
0: which I named the boomerang after him because it also made sense for Luthien to have something named that way. No, I thought it was Cloud for some reason because of all the times we play Smash and that character is used. Yep. Then I'm not a Final Fantasy person. I don't know anything about them. I know there's Cloud, there's Lightning, and sometimes I'll remember Hope. I don't know. I like the Moogles. That's about all I know. <laughs> but yeah, Luthien, you know, her very first spell that she ever created on her own time Rebuild the dragon... <laughs> rebuild things, basically. Because in five minutes flat, or less, I can rebuild an entire... Well, bar.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Luthien being the uh, the wizard of the group. Definitely... <laughs> had her work cut out for her. Yep. Because part of the effects of corn wrestling our barbarianish friend Jack Frost around was... The usually, cleanup crew. Yeah, usually the bar would get trashed.
0: Destroyed.
1: There goes the Red Dragon Inn, folks.
0: It's a three-story building, and people would fly through every floor.
1: Yep. Luthien. Luthien's badass.
0: Luthian, sir, the trend of me playing a member of that family in every campaign on that planet.
1: Yeah, never gotten her to break that streak.
0: And I don't plan on it, even if I gotta go back in time to make it happen.
1: Or keep making weird family lines.
0: Hey, I'll figure something out.
1: <laughs> wow, well, it's nice to have some consistency.
0: Well, like I said, it adds to the um, the game. It adds to the world building. Mm-hmm. gives us more people. But besides, you know, your first, or, well, your technical first, or your other favorites.
1: Okay, so I am going to go in something like chronological order here, which means I'm starting off with Desmond Gray, well, the... who was another character that I created in those early days for the Team Chaos campaign when I wanted to switch off.
0: He was of a, a character
1: for a while. Yeah, and he, then I ended up handing him over to our friend Michael. Yeah. For him to play when he Des, joined.
0: Desmond was like one of the in-betweens of Elwing and Corn, correct? Uh, yeah. Yeah, because you ended up picking up Corn earlier than you had intended to.
1: Yep. So Desmond was also heavily based on the Assassin's Creed games. <laughs> more off of Ezio than, uh...
0: Yeah, he was definitely Ezio.
1: Yeah, he he was based more of Ezio, but I named him Desmond uh, partially after that, and I named him Grey because actually of the character of Dorian Grey, as in the picture of Dorian Grey, because I had recently seen the movie based off of it, however I was more familiar with him from his role in the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, thought he was cool. So, Desmond Gray.
0: I don't even remember who played the guy. Because I never saw either of those movies.
1: Nope. So, you weren't really privy to that. No. But, yeah. So, Desmond Miles and Dorian Gray. Desmond Gray. Um, he was, in fact, an assassin. He did have hidden blades. I ended up making them the Gnomish Quick Razors later. Um... He started off using the Assassin Prestige class without having anything leading up to it because I had no idea what the hell I was doing.
0: Yeah, he was still in that weird time of... Sure, it works.
1: Yeah. Uh, and the way that Michael played him was he would do really, really well when he was trying to hit something, but anytime he tried to use an Assassin's spell or make a roll to save himself, like a saving throw or
0: he'd about die if he
1: was gonna get hit by an attack roll
0: he'd almost die. he'd get his ass kicked
1: he got thrown down a great hall-esque room by a minotaur hitting him in the chest
0: michael really had a bad streak of luck the entire time indeed but it made for a good time yeah
1: but eventually michael had to move on
0: Yep, and we away. had no idea
1: what to do with Desmond after that, but he was an assassin, and you know he tended to get
0: then, himself
1: into trouble. And, and then, then Sean and I decided that yeah. we wanted his stuff.
0: Yep, one of the times that you guys had a sleepover, or hangout, or whatever without me, you just you decided to play, and boy, you really put Desmond through it.
1: Yeah, yeah, we did. I don't really feel good about that.
0: And because I Made was it up in, to him later, but well. Also, because I wasn't there, obviously. My character got yelled at. But she wasn't even there for it. (laughs) I mean, you didn't
1: really get yelled at. wasn't your fault.
0: He didn't like me. For a bit there, though.
1: Yeah, but that was just him projecting.
0: Oh, either way.
1: Yeah, Desmond... He had a lot of cool stuff. He got effectively blackmailed by his former Assassin's Guild, who he stole their best sword and left basically uh, to come after the rest of Team Chaos and attempt to assassinate us and we killed him and then with the help of a super powerful evil cleric of our acquaintance we ended up modifying his memory and bringing him back to life and sticking him as the new bartender of our inn yeah
0: because we had to we had to buy out the bar uh, you know quote unquote buy it out
1: Mm, yeah we, We've detailed that In another episode
0: Yeah in the actual Team Chaos episode So see that for more Yeah. But you know quote unquote Bought it out and then you know Had to shuffle the staff Out quietly and Oh well, crap can't run a bar without a You know bartender cause We're not qualified I'm not gonna Allow you know somebody like Jack Frost to you know be anywhere near People like that Hell no So, yeah, they decided Desmond was a good fit.
1: Yep, we ended up with Desmond Gray as the bartender. And if someone was getting rowdy, they wound up with uh, something in their drink to knock them unconscious, and they would get dragged behind the bar, assassin style. So, there's that.
0: Yeah.
1: And that's how he started, and that's how he continued for a long time. But then, when our Dark Tower game came around, and my Gunslinger character had died... I decided to bring him back. Bring Desmond back because, with a few changes.
0: Well, we believe in multiverse theory, so
1: exactly. So connecting Orith, our you know piggybacked, Greyhawk-ish setting
0: of Orith,
1: yeah. Uh, to the tower, I brought in Desmond instead. Of my gunslinger James, and I brought him in as a factotum. Yeah? Because I learned about them, and. We're
0: obsessed with them.
1: Oh, very much so. I love the he factotum. Like You're
0: third in a row, basically.
1: Well, I had one that I only got to play for like two sessions.
0: I know, but you were playing them like back to back to back. He was only
1: back. number two, though.
0: You, either way, though. You played quite a few. I had a
1: third later that I really enjoyed, but I'm not talking about him right now. Uh, no, I brought Desmond in for Dark Tower, and he was a smashing success because, boy, can I play a factotum, let me tell you.
0: He got the Sword of Forgiveness from Scott Pilgrim.
1: Yeah, and he ended up forgiving Corrin and Jack for their actions and getting over things and becoming cool with them, but also in the process of his journey. Uh, in other worlds, he became the god of space.
0: Yeah.
1: From Homestuck uh, yep, he shenanigans f- as well, because we can't let that one go. Hell no. Nope,
0: yep, he fits in with the rest of the group finally and got Homestuck powers.
1: Yep, so he became, on top of having, you know, the little bit of everything that a factotum gets. Uh, look up the 3 5 factotum if you don't know. Holy crap. Yeah, he was effectively Batman with all his magical gadgets, uh, plus the assassination techniques he had.
0: Well, he had that little tiny Ioun stone-sized uh, Death Star for a hot minute.
1: Yeah, that that was a bit later. Um, on top of all he had, he gained his space power so he could teleport around, plane shift, shrink or grow things. You know, all kinds of crap, telekinetically move things around. And it was great, and it helped us in a lot of situations. Yeah. But later on, when we were all powerful characters and deities, and we were planning to assault Hell, he did, in fact, yes, we went to the Star Wars universe, and we took over the Death Star. Yeah, Luthien's he ended up the handing it. That. Yeah, he handed it over to an alternate universe Luthian. Yeah because the two of them had a a bit of a fling in between sessions or in between campaigns really because they got along yeah uh but yeah for a little while he had a iun stone sized death star floating around his head that would uh blow up other people's heads upon request yep And that's Desmond Gray, and he was
0: He was one hell of a guy.
1: Yeah, he was a
0: He really needed therapy re- though. I mean, he
1: got his therapy. Yeah. By the end of it he was one of the most
0: well level
1: headed people.
0: And for Team KS anybody, that's a lot to say.
1: Yeah, well even for the Tower Walkers we were a part of.
0: Yeah, I know
1: yeah he he earned his place definitely
0: well you gotta go through a lot in some cases there or not and he definitely did
1: mm-hmm how about
0: you? well I mean definitely one of them would be well laurel uh you know Emil who got retconned into the lore of uh you know Luthien and also Sebastian cuz Sebastian got played right was my second character after Luthien but decided since we we're going back in time to play in that era of time well who else can I play so I have Laurel who is um, Lillian Emil so you know the mother of Luthien it's her familiar that graduated effectively and got to go on her own and you know be like her uh, big sister effectively
1: yeah uh i guess to explain in terms of uh gaming qualities laurel was a cat wear started off as a cat familiar to luthien's mother and was given autonomy and further sentience and gain the ability to adopt an elven wear form.
0: Yep, so she looks like the uh, Emil ladies. Yep. Because she's also. Uh, shoot, how do I. How do you pronounce that cat again? That breed? Abyssian? Abyssian? Yeah, Abyssian, Abyssian. She. From my butchered uh, pronunciation, go ahead and Google it. They're a beautiful cat. I really wish I could own one, but I have two black and whites as much as I love them. I would love to have one of Laurel,
1: yeah, and Laurel was
0: straight badass. well, you have a cat that can I was the three five alchemist, so think the uh finder. Yeah, know, whatever the hell. Pathfinder 3.5. We we're playing 3.75. I can't keep it straight. Anyway, think the Artillerist Potion Maker or whatever. Well,
1: she started off as a mystic too.
0: Yeah, so I was a mystic alchemist. But yeah, I think like there's the arti- Art Which? Not Artillerist. Art- Artificer. Artificer. Sorry, another character I'm gonna be talking about too is the Artificer Artillerist. So I'm all over the place. Anyway, alchemist, artificer, you know, there's that one type of the art, artificer that can do potions, right?
1: They all can, but the alchemist specifies in it, yeah? Yeah, so... Or specializes.
0: Yeah, so... I was the artificer before there was such a thing.
1: Yeah, basically. Well, there was an artificer, but...
0: Not as cool as it is in 5th, though.
1: Nah, way too logistical.
0: But yeah, I was the cat... Uh, So, here's another thing about Laurel. She had her uh, elf form, but there was like an in between form, like Puss in Boots from Shrek. You know, like the toddler size stand up on its two back legs and.
1: Yeah, your standard werewolf hybrid form. Yeah. Effectively, but cat wear.
0: So I had that as well so you know I would use that I used that quite a bit when we were in the toma so that way I could open doors because I was young and I could see the invisible doors mm-hmm. so you got the cat you know opening the doors I'm also using that formula a lot ways to throw bombs because I would make healing potion bombs because I can't be running all over the damn battlefield giving people healing potions and
1: of course because you're an Emil sibling you use the traditional Emil whip sword.
0: Yep, the cat does that too, which was usually in her mouth or, you know, whatever. But I had, I had armor, but it wasn't visible because it was like in my collar or whatever. Or like, I, like in Lothian's case, you know, the vanity or whatever it is. I can't remember what was on it.
1: Yeah, you you had the collar of Umbral Metamorphosis. Yeah. uh, The permanent version, which would allow you to constantly have the shadow creature template on you.
0: Yeah. But, you know, she was was best friends with a Minotaur for a hot minute there. Like, I, not single-handedly, but hilariously enough, I destroyed an entire Minotaur camp.
1: Uh, That was a stone giant camp.
0: Well, whatever. With a
1: Minotaur. Our buddy Nick's character, Axel...
0: Yeah, it was stone giants, duh. Yep. But either way, though, not single-handedly, almost. No, Laurel, Laurel sat there,
1: you, you sat there basically getting the giants' attention, and then the moment their attention was focused on you, Axel comes in roaring rampage and frickin' slams them into their own stone fortifications and kills I them.
0: that one on their own accord, though, to fall. Wasn't, like, into a pit.
1: Uh, yes. They're the stone giant, Elder, cast Hungry Pit, uh, trying to catch um, one of our other people at the time in that fight. And then you ended up distracting her and causing her to slip and fall into her own pit where she died.
0: There was a lot of meowing that game, and our cat got very confused. But also, Laurel is based off of our cat, Perry. Because yeah. Perry would hang out with us and still does a lot during D&D, so my <laughs> a better way to, you know, get inspiration, but <laughs> the thing sitting right in front of me. Indeed. So. But, yeah, I befriended, you know, Minotaurs, our dragonborn that joined us at some point. I was friends with a couple of the stone giants, too.
1: Uh, a couple of different ones, yeah.
0: Yeah. Like, I was... The party face, but it made sense because I was the cutest. But also <laughs> it was hilarious scaring people because I could talk. But, you know. She a, she's a good one. I don't always remember what she did because that campaign lasted a very long time.
1: It did. From a mechanical standpoint, she started off as a, a Pathfinder mystic and multiclassed into their alchemist. And Mystic was a martial adept class mostly focused on using okay. elemental strikes. I really like really, acid. Yeah, you were big into acid. You would turn your whole whip into an acid whip and then use, I believe it's called Eldritch Hammer was the strike you preferred. And sure. you and you would amp the shit out of it with your anima points. And, uh,
0: yeah. Yeah.
1: You, you, you could throw some serious damage with that.
0: Laurel is the reason I am still standing on a hill, hoping sooner or later, freaking, uh, Marshall Addups get added into fifth edition.
1: Yeah, we loved Marshall Addups in three, five, and, and I, Pathfinder. Well,
0: yeah, because I played like three of them back to back.
1: Yeah, yeah, they were really good. Cause you had you had uh, Natalia.
0: I had Laurel. You
1: had Laurel. You had Harley.
0: Yep. I had at least three or four, like, nearly back-to-back. And so, fifth edition is still breaking my heart.
1: Yeah. One of these days we'll have to homebrew one together.
0: Yeah, I don't want to put in that work, though.
1: Well, Jack and I will probably end up doing most of it.
0: But, yeah. Think about that for a moment. Martial adepts.
1: Laurel was insane.
0: Yep, and still the favorite of the group whenever it gets talked about, really.
1: Not to mention one of the few people who could depose my next character, potentially, in a fight.
0: Hell, I could kill the whole group if I wanted to, including the guy that became a god. Yeah. That's like... the hilarious thing. I could have destroyed all y'all and moved on without you. Yep,
1: yeah, you were the only person who might have been able to defeat my wizard... Talos Natar, or the Destroyer, effectively.
0: Yeah.
1: Talos was my attempt at a classical wizard of D&D who uses a lot of evocation, you know, fireballs, lightning bolts, things like that.
0: And the classic d babysitter slash janitor that, you know, the DM usually gets Indeed. stuck playing. Indeed,
1: I made him as overpowered as I possibly could using every trick 3-5 and path, uh, Pathfinder had to offer.
0: Yeah, to keep up with all the problems that we caused.
1: Yep, he was literally the party janitor. And he was in the same party as Laurel yep. uh, and Axel and all of them. And much like many of my characters, when I'm playing and DMing at the same time, he's usually pretty quiet until being called upon. Until being called upon to offer exposition or
0: advice.
1: Somebody. Yeah, or yell at somebody because they did something extremely stupid.
0: Andrew's really good at yelling at people.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, Talos uh, effectively came from the premier family of battle mages in the Elven capital. Uh, his parents had died in a war, uh, with orcs, like, 50 years prior. Uh, so he was the last of his family line, but... His family were really good at blowing shit up, and I crafted him a special spell, which I then metamagicked to hell, um, that was pretty much a replica of, like, the energy missile power from Pathfinder's, uh, psionics, but with all the metamagics that I added onto it in spell form, it took the shape of a bright. Uh, of six braided bolts of elemental energy usually fire and lightning but occasionally fire and cold or cold and lightning You know, I mixed it up six bolts that could be fired out and I would usually quicken the spell so that there were 12 actually because I'd fire it twice uh, and that spell was capable of putting out 1,080 damage yeah, it was really to a close. single target, or, you know, divide that up between 12 different shots.
0: Also, Talos had it rough, though, because I remember you trying to say, you know, hey, I got personal stuff I gotta deal with. I'm gonna take a break for a bit. I'll be back later. And then you were back a week later.
1: Yeah, Talos left for about a week. That was all the rest he got. That was all the break he could afford. <laughs> he was trying
0: to be gone for months.
1: Yeah, that was the point. Because Talos was originally made because we had just brought in, like, a bunch of new people in that campaign. Yeah,
0: so he was only a placeholder until potential the other people joined.
1: Yeah, because we didn't really have a, a primary arcane spellcaster or somebody who had a lot of knowledge skills who knew what they were talking about. So I had him there as basically, like, a helper... And someone who had a lot of utility abilities to keep the party alive and safe. Thus his role as the campaign janitor, pretty much, saving people's lives with my spell slots when need be. Uh, But he ended up being the whole party's advisor and getting really, really fucking strong to the point where I I could have soloed the entire group on my own except
0: possibly...
1: For the exception of Laurel. Yeah. If I didn't wish for all of your nine lives to f- disappear.
0: Yeah. That's why I live I when we did that battle royale, I won that, right?
1: We didn't never got the chance to do it.
0: Oh yeah, that's right. We only We talked
1: about doing a battle royale at the like end the- of that I campaign.
0: Theoretically did it.
1: Yeah, we talked a lot about it, but we never ended up sitting down and actually playing it.
0: Whatever I say I win because of the nine lives thing. Good luck with that wish. Because wishes are hard.
1: I wish that Laurel Emile only had one life.
0: Either way, yeah. it's rude to kill your other party members.
1: Yeah, plus I feel like you and uh, Jack's character would have teamed up together to take me down. And that would have been the end of me, definitely. Yeah. Because he was the master of counterspelling.
0: Yeah, was a good character. He definitely was the... Uh... I wouldn't say brains, because sometimes he was losing them, too. But, like, he was definitely um, the dad of the group. Like, I did not have the same hold on the group as I did as Luthien. Because, you know, way different group, obviously. And also, who in the hell in their right minds gonna listen to a cat? Especially when somebody's playing a minotaur. <laughs> I'm the size of that thing's foot! Like... gonna listen to the cat you know
1: laurel versus axel would have been an interesting fight
0: (laughs) yeah but at the end of the day like when you left you're like all right laurel it's up to you and it's like what you're gonna leave the you know the cat in charge
1: well you had wolfgang too
0: yeah but still like you didn't say that at the time And then, you know, we had Mutant, so I'm, you know, cat, you know, pow- threatening somebody, like, if you step a toe out of line while I'm in charge here. I'm going to do something bad to you.
1: And then we had Alduin, the god of fire.
0: Well, he left at the same time you did. Yeah, yeah,
1: for about as long.
0: Yep. But yeah, Telos was definitely necessary to keep around. It was interesting to have around. Yeah,
1: and he's one of my more iconic characters because at least a few people who we play with now got their start with with him well, and with that campaign. And
0: He's also like one of your biggest number pullers still.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Topped only by my final selection, but we'll wait on that.
0: Yeah. You know.
1: So, who is your second?
0: I guess going technically and chronological, uh, well, game lore wise, because it sure as hell real life wise. Because Natalia would would have been mentioned first if it was you know real life wise. But in game wise, that would be Natalia. The only, well, technically not. Emil family, but she marries into it. So later, she didn't end the campaign, but in the epilogue of the campaign, she married into it because mm-hmm. she married Sebastian, who is the king of the kingdom that she was working in.
1: Yep, uh, Sebastian is king of Darum, which is an adventuring city that he founded. Yep, and he's also uh, Luthien's younger brother.
0: Yeah. She was my third character. She was a bard. Um, can't remember which martial adept. Warblade. Warblade.
1: We'll we'll put it this way for the folks who know.
0: Something Phoenix Mage.
1: For the people who know, she was a Jade Phoenix Mage build based with bard and warblade.
0: Yeah, it was, it was, it's the one and the only time I have ever done a specific build that way.
1: A really complicated multi-class.
0: Yeah, well, we were all really into that at the time, or at least you were, because we were starting out with a lot of newbies at that time. But yeah, that's the only time I have actually really done a build that yeah. I planned out step by step religiously and I will never do it again because I, mean, I mean
1: she worked out just as well as your uh, by the gut builds that you've been doing ever yeah, since it's before. just hard
0: to keep track of all the things and there were a lot of things to remember on how to you know step by step builder, and also I don't know I don't like having to do it that way I'm a by the by the feeling kind of builder Not a by the book Yep But also like She wasn't the regular bard either She was a dancer so Yep Which That was my first time ever playing a bard So I didn't really get the Feeling You know like the old um, The classic feeling of a bard Until way later In my career But I'm okay with that at the same time Cause we were playing in our College library So you know We had enough chaos going on but you know she was really fun she was she was a little bit her personality was a little cut and paste from Luthien because you know it happened you know you bring a little of, you know old characters into the new one especially whatever recent one you just played. I
1: recall her being an asomar.
0: Yep she was an asomar she had bright red hair um
1: And I believe, like, blue or aquamarine eyes.
0: Yeah, something like that. Because I like that kind of color combo, the blue and red hair.
1: And she also used...
0: A whip sword. A whip
1: sword. However, her particular version was a dual whip sword, a la Darth Maul, but on crack, apparently.
0: Yeah, but she could also separate it that way. Because she would, in some dances, like, obviously not near people, like, on a stage or something... She would use them like you would dance ribbons. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And that's... A lot of her routines were like that. Or, you know... Because, I mean, it definitely made them flashy. Especially when hers became Crystal after a while. So it really made them flashy. But yeah, that's how I made a lot of side cash in the campaign. Because, you know, massive metropolis they were in. Good way to make side money, you know quick street performance or something. Mm hmm But yeah, quickly into the campaign, you know, I decided, you know, we're gonna pursue the king because, I mean, he's my character. I can do whatever I want with either of them. (laughs) So, it worked out pretty well. And also, I mean, Natalia made for some good times. I didn't get to use it because of the way that the campaign worked out. But she has a sailboat submarine with a giant spike on the tip of the mast that could rip through ships.
1: Yep. Underwater. Uh, it had the the boat had the submerged ship spell enchanted into it, and you stuck an adamantine spike on top of the mast.
0: Yep. Still sad that I never got to use that in campaign, but yeah. it just never worked out. But cool thing to have.
1: Yeah. Also, but- that was that was definitely the game where your playstyle was solidified.
0: Yeah. Especially
1: in the minds of everyone else as well.
0: It's definitely the game that set up everybody to hate me for a long while.
1: Yeah, it's, that's pretty much where I think some of the accusations of favoritism came at me.
0: Believe me, it's not... Just like Kermit says, it's not easy being green. It ain't easy being the partner of the DM because favoritism gets called out and all sorts of bad things happen. But yeah carry on with what you were talking about.
1: Well. uh, I did end up proving people wrong, obviously, on that account, but uh, Sierra's playstyle, with many of her characters, and it really came out with Natalia, is to appear very non-threatening during combat for a little while, and then pop out like a snake in the grass and take out somebody really fucking important.
0: Well, my thing is, it's the... you know... Just like in soccer, which I played as a child, which is, you know, pretty stereotypical American child thing to do, I guess, you know? I don't know. But there's the. When you're playing soccer and everything, and everybody's after the ball, like all the forwards and all the defenders, and everybody's after the ball, you know, that's called uh, beehiving or bee swarming or whatever. It's the same thing in D&D. Everybody's all swarmed up around the monster or the enemy. What the hell are you doing? You're all going to get hit. You're all wasting your time, you know? So I would do the midfielder thing, hang out, you know, halfway through the battlefield or whatever space you're fighting in while everybody's swarming up on it. And then just, you know, attack from a distance. Boom, it's dead. Who do you have to thank? Oh, look. All the almost dead people have me to thank, because now I can heal them, too. Yeah,
1: because you took cure wounds.
0: Yeah, and I, but the price is with not losing, because there were several sessions in a row I would not take any damage while everybody else had taken chunks of damage. I would lose health points to stupid shit. Rocks falling on me. I fall down a, you know, a thing of steps. Or, like, somebody pushed me and I fell. Or, like, a paper cut. (laughs) So that's the price, though. You don't get hit in the battles. But the everyday stuff takes you out.
1: Yeah. And then to prove that I didn't show favoritism. You
0: tried to disintegrate me and then still failed
1: i mean i was gonna try and do it anyway because i didn't really care what people were saying because i knew better
0: you still tried to and it still failed though yeah and everybody else got well
1: your tactic has pretty much always been to not appear to pose a threat while everyone else is running in guns blazing
0: well it's hilarious though that it didn't i didn't get disintegrated, and somebody else got sent to another plane somebody else got turned to stone and then got blown up through yeah. other means and just
1: yeah, we we were chasing down a slightly higher level party than us that was evil, who were meant to be like the BBEGs of the campaign that I had made, and they they had tracked them down into the sewers, and they had a powerful uh, wizard amongst them who was a, a shadowcraft mage, and your character, I recall had meandered past the battlefield which was just a freaking hallway with a room at the end of it pretty much Yep, like a little like cistern area we everyone like not we i wasn't playing a character in that one but yeah, all the like other the characters
0: <laughs> campaign you weren't lying on it
1: yeah all the other characters were fighting in the hallway with the other three members of the evil party
0: yeah i, think, I don't remember what made me walk through past that but it's kind of funny when you think well
1: you were just trying to like get past the melee
0: yeah it is funny though when you talk about now because i don't remember a lot from that time
1: yeah you ran past it all and meandered into the actual like room at the end where the only remaining member of the evil party
0: it's funny that you say that now and everything like i was trying to say like i don't remember a lot because the way it sounds it sounds like i said you know (laughs) to me it now sounds like oh there's the fight uh, I'm going to walk past and go over here, guys. Like, good luck with what you're doing. I'm over here. Like, to me now, that's what I picture. Like, I don't know anything about what my plans were then, but me now, that's what it sounds like.
1: Yeah, well, you might have been trying to get to their wizard because he was the only one left so. standing in that room.
0: Yeah, because he was pretty much doing what I was doing. That's, you know, not swarmed up because... You know, wizards don't need to be up in everything. No, they hang back. Yeah. And everybody else was swarmed up around the others, so...
1: Yeah, and the fact that they were fighting down that long-ass hallway. Really Uh, bad move. One of the... Like, the fight was going really well in the party's favor, so the wizard had to turn the tables in the best way he could because they had already killed... You guys had already killed the evil cleric. Yeah. Because Drisana, our warlock, had one shotted the bad cleric.
0: Yeah.
1: And then the other guy, uh, the Goliath, had started taking the fight to people as well. They're uh, the evil crusader.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, I had the villain cast prismatic spray down the hallway. Which wreaked absolute havoc. It outright killed a couple of people. It turned our druid to stone while he was wild-shaped into a unicorn.
0: And then he got smashed. It sent our... Yeah. Yeah, he got
1: smashed after that. Uh, Sent the big dumb fighter to another plane of existence, which turned out to be uh, Pandemonium. Yeah. Or Limbo, one of the two. I forget. It was
0: Pandemonium.
1: But you were the only one who didn't get caught in the spray... So he quickened to disintegrate at you, and I rolled a two on the fucking attack roll. Yep. So I ended up blowing ten feet of wall out.
0: I think I got hit by part of that.
1: No, you didn't, because it couldn't do damage to you. Oh, that's right. It got turned into a fine dust.
0: Yeah. Well, either way, though. Still failed. Yeah. So Andrew is, you know, near tears. In failure.
1: Yeah. 'Cause you hadn't taken any other damage, so it probably wouldn't have killed you.
0: No. But it was so funny. hmm But that's why I like her. Even though she brought a lot of problems to me.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was Nat, and Nat was uh once again, really strong, really capable, really excuse me, fun to have around.
0: Yep. Yeah, once again, party face. I'm you know you'll notice a trend with my characters.
1: Yeah, because of your tendency to uh, like to role play more than some other people, you tend to play faces.
0: Well, somebody's got to do the damn job. Exactly. You got to be able to talk to people. Indie's a lot of talking. Can't all be you know mute, brutish, barbarian types or something, you know?
1: No, indeed. But. I do think that will bring it to...
0: Your final favorite.
1: My final favorite. And he is my strongest. And also somebody who irritates the hell out of a lot of people. My final favorite character is a Shadar Kai by the name of Sithic Sanguine Sword. He was a Gestalt character who I conceived of. A long time ago and have continued playing him every time a Gestalt game comes up because he is that fun. Uh, His original build was Sword Sage and Warblade and Shadowblade which was like a weird homebrew class that I found that I enjoyed. Um, But more recently his most perfected form I'll say which, by the way, for those of you who don't know what a Gestalt character or Gestalt game is, you pick two classes and level them both at the same time. But you take the best of whichever is better between how many skill points you got, how much HP you got, you know, whatever size hit dice it was. uh, And saving throws, things like that. You took whichever was better between the two classes. So you got the best of both and all the abilities of both of them as well, but It's a lot of work. Obviously, your action economy is still the same, so you still have to fit all those different versatile actions into one turn, which can be difficult unless you really synergize your class. So I decided to be a massive dick, and I multiclassed two martial adepts again for his most perfected form, specifically the Pathfinder Warder, And the Pathfinder, Harbinger, from Dreamscard Press, both of those, uh, once again, initiating classes, martial adepts. One of them the tankiest sons of bitches around, the other the best uh, debuffers around for those particular sets of classes. He dual-wielded a Scimitar and a Kukri and because I made a weird homebrew Shadarkai who was also champion of the Raven Queen that was his whole shtick was he was the champion of the Raven Queen absolute murder machine lawful evil and all he ever wanted was a good fight and to absolutely slaughter anybody who defied fate and he was damn good at it <laughs> He could teleport wherever he wanted, was the master of teleport kills. He had so many different maneuvers that could just be used to utterly undo pretty much whatever situation. Uh, He could go invisible at will because of the fey heritage. Uh, And he did hundreds and hundreds of points of damage just on one turn he was insane and so fucking strong and the only person who has ever dm'd him
0: absolutely hates him
1: yep because the first version of him ended up with a 70 ac and even the versions since then have wound up with ridiculous numbers as well we're talking about a guy who could hit like a 90-something acrobatics check to dodge attacks with a certain maneuver and different combinations. I think his max damage he hit in a round was like 800 and some using a full attack with a, uh, a, a set of boosts that I was able to uh, to throw on. He tore things apart. I believe that particular attack chain ended up destroying a cataclysmic lava dragon that uh, Jack actually came up with
0: mm-hmm.
1: and gave to Travis for that fight. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was so ridiculous. I mean, all the characters in any of those campaigns that we did were ridiculous, but I think Sithic was always the worst one. Yeah. And I am very proud of him.
0: Travis still feels the want to punch you. And yep. bring him up.
1: Yep, he does. Because <laughs> that was who had the unfortunate uh, he did to chance himself. to DM for this character three separate times. Because he tried running guest alt games three times over the course of these seven years. I and never learned
0: his lesson.
1: I played Sithic every time in different variations, you know. I even, I toned him down in the extra bullshit in the last two, but because of the the synergy between the two Pathfinder classes that I picked, he was still worse somehow. (laughs) Oh... Scythic is my ultimate power fantasy character. He is the greatest swordsman in the world. Uh, With all those supernatural tricks backing him up, and the massive stealth capability, and all the skill monkey tricks, and it's just... He's ridiculous. And I love him. And... (laughs) He's great.
0: Andrew loves to be hated, is what he really means.
1: I love power building characters and making them really strong.
0: He lives off of it's, hate, and it keeps him strong.
1: Yeah, it does. Salt feeds me.
0: So, now that we're off his uh, bullshit soapbox...
1: Yep, Sithic can be put away now. On
0: to mine, with my- well, one of my current characters, because out of the three campaigns Andrew's running, I'm in two. Mm-hmm. So, on to poor poor Silas Wylindian. I say poor because this man no matter what I try to do with him he just ends up so so stupid at the end of the day.
1: <laughs> Stressed. Anxious. He doesn't Drunk.
0: Ton- <laughs> yeah, he doesn't to himself. I Look, I went into this campaign over or almost two years ago. So strong. I wanted a good strong willed boy and well I got a CW character really. Because Well, he just the baby. He just a you know, twenty something year old elf really and he just it's not his world, but he's living in it.
1: Quick note for those of you who might be wondering, he's like 120 something, but that's about effectively the 20s for an elf.
0: Yeah. And um so also for him, he's a pal elf. So he knows nothing really of the world.
1: Yeah, this is a a campaign set in Critical roles, Exandria.
0: So, a Baldelf that knows nothing got shoved into the revelry, so his only world view is the revelry. Pirates. And he's a young lad with not much up top in the headspace either besides guns. How do I build more? What do I do? How do I get more? And, Yeah.
1: Yeah, what is his class again?
0: (laughs) Artificer Artillerist. Yeah. Yeah. He believes in guns. And because, well, the pirate thing, you know, still. What do pirates like? Alcohol. And booty. Yeah, and booty. All (laughs) sorts of booty.
1: Look at that booty. Show me the booty.
0: But, you know, he's a trailblazer, you know, um it's gonna be fun when we deal with critical roles characters coming up here and uh, white stone when they travel over there because my ass will definitely be destroyed by uh Percival de Rollo <laughs> because I'm gonna walk up with um my guns um there will be a a cannon pulled out of a portable hole um I have a super soaker that can sh- that I'm still working on that can potentially shoot any liquid, including Alchemist Fire. Mm-hmm. Um, I just created Duckfoot. Won't have that with me, though, because I gave that to my character's father. There's a lot.
1: Yeah, Silas is the party's I'm, walking artillery I'm bank. I'm the
0: <laughs> alternate universe version of Percival, where, you know, Percy went on and said... The hell with guns, I'm gonna go into clock making. I'm the opposite. I said guns, we need more.
1: Yep. So, Most of our ship's crew has guns now.
0: Yep. That's not my doing though. That's somebody else's doing I just upgrade them, but the cannons are my doing and the swivel guns and everything else. Yep. And also my apprentice does not make grenades.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. But, Am- yeah. Amelia's tar grenades.
0: But, yeah, I have a barrel of Gunpowder at all times in my bag of holding I know how to brew my own alcohol I also know how to have um, At least three mental breakdowns A day and still seem mentally Stable
1: Yeah because someone decided to make this poor boy the captain Of our
0: ship (laughs) Also My poor pale ass Is ridiculed so much There's been a lot of Racism in this game and That's also Trailblazing We've not had that really be a focal point before.
1: Yeah, even though you played a drow once.
0: Well, we didn't know much back then, so...
1: Oh, I knew. I. Just... You were
0: the only one that did, though, so that doesn't count.
1: Yeah, I just didn't want to make it a thing, really, Well, it got time. made
0: a thing this time. Yep. And then there's also, um... So yeah, the racism got made a focal point, so, I'm, and so you had the guns, you had the that, um, yeah, there's the fact that I'm one of many of the revelry, formerly, on our crew, and then yeah, I got shoved into being a captain, because our old captain jumped ship, effectively, so, yeah, and then, to trailblaze even more our first ever D&D thruple.
1: yep with my character the monk and uh
0: an npc that you created to interact with us yep your
1: uh your artificer apprentice
0: slash uh partner well she's also the uh ship's face you know
1: oh yeah she uh <laughs> She's the model for the ship's figurehead.
0: Yeah, that's how I met her, and then she just became a a normal NPC because my character, for obvious reasons, did not like our party very much. So I needed an NPC buddy.
1: Yeah, we had a bunch of dicks at the beginning of the campaign.
0: So, yeah, between uh, her and then our Cobalt Soul library buddy. That's me. Yeah. Never had a character set up, you know, romantically with Andrew besides, like, NPCs here or there. But, yeah. Well, no, there was the one couple we tried to set up a few years ago in a campaign, but your character died, so that fell out. But, yeah, naturally, you know, we set up a gay couple. Fell into place. It was so smooth. did even realize it until it was, like, almost already exclusively a thing. And then everybody else is like, well, what about the other one that you're seeing? it's like, oh, crap, yeah, what about her?
1: Bring in the hypotenuse.
0: Yep, so... The elves got, you know, two human side pieces.
1: Yep. Silas is uh, definitely a joy of a character. Because he... Watching him suffer is so fun, I'm sorry. <laughs> just the way he handles all these issues that he's expected to deal with while the rest of the party is just either causing problems or trying to help put out the fires as well, in but the case of Aiden and Bradley.
0: Playing him causes me to have anxiety. If I don't already have it, which, you know, we've learned, the more frazzled I am from everyday life, like if i just got out of work or if I'm tired or whatever the better you play silence yeah cuz it just fuel the fire and yeah playing him like I need to like chill out for a few hours because I'm on the brink of an anxiety attack with him like it's fun but it's not because like it's hard not to internalize some of it sometimes I've discussed this in for, uh, previous episodes of like I struggle with internalizing D&D stuff as it's happening to my personal being and with Silas he is modeled after myself quite a bit with his little quirks with like the anxiety and like um the being in leadership but not feeling like he deserves it and things like that. Because that's something I've been struggling with um, in my job for the past year. But um, yeah, he, he's a real blast. Like he's the he's the fun of the party. He's the you know focal point of the party. But at what cost, you know?
1: Well, he is an incredibly effective combatant mm-hmm. between all of his firearms. He's and... really
0: a freak ghost, though. No, yeah, being he... possessed.
1: Well, you didn't get possessed. I got possessed. You got life-drained.
0: Whatever. It was still bad.
1: Yeah, Silas got almost life-drained by specters during a, a trip into a tomb,
0: awesome. uh, the
1: ruins of Sapeska.
0: Also we... And
1: it almost killed him.
0: Yeah, we also learned in um, recent sessions he's not the one you call for uh, intervention either. He's the one you model him. Um, Maybe not your uh, recovery after, but, you know.
1: If you're going to be drunk all the time, this is probably how you should do it.
0: Yeah. Because, I mean, if you can trust my, you know, drinking self with firearms and stuff and explosives, then, you know, if that's the life you want to live, model yourself after him.
1: Yeah, Silas tends to take a lot of hits on the fun uh, Fun flask. Fun flask.
0: Yep. Thank you, Gilmore Girls, for that fun tidbit. But, yeah, um, trying to round him out has been interesting.
1: Well, I will say, like, from a mechanical standpoint, which is, you know, my typical standpoint, or at least the the one that I'm most qualified to speak on, uh... Silas does a really good job with the party.
0: Yeah. It's the execution, though. It's the... Like, on paper, he looks great. You get him... You get him, uh, talking and stuff, and... zoom he flies away real quick, and you're just... Standing there, looking at the paperwork look... Well, on the iPad, because that one we do D&D Beyond, but... You're looking at the screen, like... You look so good here! What happened?
1: (laughs) Well, that's part of his character arc, is building up his confidence.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we're still working on that one.
1: Yep. But hey, he did manage to save his people, the Pallid Elves, from a Durgar incursion.
0: Yep, another thing on that tiny little man's back, though. A whole society of people.
1: Well, not like you don't have help.
0: Yeah, I know, but still. Just another thing. hmm But, now that we have rounded out the top three, any honorable mentions?
1: Yeah, Aiden, actually, uh, for me. Because I don't have any 5e characters in my top three at the moment. I am hoping to change that. Uh, Aiden is the character who Silas... Uh, is in a relationship with, besides also Amelia, the uh, the NPC character.
0: Yeah.
1: He is a monk of the Cobalt Soul, who was recently promoted to Expositor, a la Beauregard. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, he's a good fighter. He, you know, helps the party any way he can. He yeah. has a lot of knowledge.
0: Jaden was only supposed to be like a helper to us, but then...
1: Yeah, he was an NPC for the longest time. But, but... then
0: the party dwindled so so, uh, so small and... Or to such small numbers so quickly that you're like, Crap, we need somebody.
1: Yep, so he became a, a permanent face among the party. Yeah. And now he functions as one of the voices of reason that you can count upon to try to help out. Well, and... sure ain't me. Uh, also
0: I'm the one if someone
1: needs trying. if someone if a person needs a little percussive maintenance they're probably going to get stunning fist and uh <laughs> tied up for a little while
0: He's also the one you go to for advice or help or whatever
1: Yeah, it's between me and our druid Bradley.
0: Well, who is, is
1: a 60-year-old war veteran.
0: He is our grandpa after all.
1: Yep. He's the group grandpa.
0: Grannies, you don't want to make grandpa mad.
1: No, don't make grandpa mad. Grandpa turned into a, a big wolf or... An elk. An elk. <laughs> <And> <laughs> or summon a bunch of elk.
0: He won't paddle your butt like, you know, a lot of grandpas would, but...
1: Oh, he will, just with antlers.
0: <laughs> yeah. Probably in your butt. Yeah. So, yeah. That's something we've learned with Bradley. Don't make grandpa mad. Because nope. he will hear about it if he's not there. And you will... Something will happen to you. Yep. <laughs> yeah. But yeah,
1: definitely Aiden would be my honorable mention.
0: My honorable mention, I think, is a character I'm also currently playing. Um Victoria Klein Kessel No. Yes.
1: AKA Laura Livon Kessel.
0: Yeah. From <laughs> Drakenheim. Yep. I am playing the uh unknown daughter of well, there's, like, what? I'll I'll, yeah, I'll you, explain. I just play... I, I don't know anything about it.
1: I found the Dungeon Dude's Drakenheim campaign, like, almost two years ago. Excuse me. Well, probably closer to, like, a year and a half.
0: Yeah, that's been about two, though.
1: And caught up uh, to now Fate of Drakenheim, and we are playing a Drakenheim campaign, and Sierra is playing... Effectively, if well, you... Oh. Yeah. Spoiler alert for people who haven't watched in uh, Up to Shadows of Drakenheim yet. Uh, one of the characters, uh, Wilhelm, had uh, a few siblings who are presumed dead or at least missing, and rather than. Uh, Having him be in the role, obviously, in this case, because he's not a PC, uh, of the person hunting for the throne of Drakenheim, Yep. That would be his younger sister, Lorelai. Yep. Who Sierra is playing.
0: And yes, she is uh, named and character designed after Lorelai Gilmore, if you're asking, because, well, dang it, I had to do it eventually.
1: Yep. She is a monk of the long death and a vampire. Yep. And using I... Grim Hollow's transformation rules.
0: Yep, and I got that quick wit, uh fast talking, you know, thing that my name gives me because I had to. Indeed. But yeah, she's, she's been interesting. I have not played a character with, you know, secrets and, well... Yes, but also no, because obviously Silas kept on the DL that he was a member of the revelry, but when, like, a quarter of the crew is also revelry, formerly, it, it didn't pack as much punch. Yeah. But, yeah, it's a different kind of punch when you're like, oh, I'm the missing, you know, it's like an Anastasia moment from the movie. Obviously not a uh, history, but, like, we just played through it, and it last night where um I, I
1: broke it down for the party
0: yeah it felt a lot like the uh, anastasia movie from you know our, the 90s mm-hmm.
1: yeah you are the lost heir to the throne of drakenheim
0: yeah so or Westmar. yeah so that was that was a lot
1: yeah it was a good rp session
0: mm-hmm But I think that's why she's one of my favorites, but, you know, not the top three, because I'm still working on her because we haven't played it as long as the other campaigns, but she is opening some horizons for me. Because playing a noble and everything, well, I've had to learn to control my mouth. Can't be shooting it off all the time, and, you know, guys say, you know, some kind of politeness, you know.
1: Nah, that's what my character Traven's for.
0: Yeah, when you can actually keep it together and talk like him.
1: I lost my accent a couple times last night. I'm not proud of it. <laughs> eh. Yeah. It switched over from Australianish ish to Irishish. <laughs> yeah.
0: But yeah, those are our favorite characters, really. Like, there's some others here and there that we've played that we've enjoyed, but well, I'm playing for a couple of sessions or they're from one shots or don't even remember them because who knows maybe I didn't get to play them but I just like to build them that's yeah. happened a few times
1: But we, we've had an awful lot of characters
0: yeah we have well we have folders worth of ours and others because mm-hmm. people have orphaned them off to Andrew over the years but you know, since we've talked about, you know, past and present characters, only one way look now, and that's forward, and that's, you know, with the future plans for our gaming, which, you know, we're going to be playing Dragonheim and Wildmount. Wildmount will be merging, hopefully, in the new year with our Tal'Dorei game. So yeah, yep. which
1: will make it the Exandria campaign.
0: Yep, so we'll be adding another... Couple of people into the fold. Yep. So the whole gang will be together again, finally.
1: Damn straight.
0: We'll have the entire gaming D and D group together for the first time in a long time. But with that, you know, um, we're just moving forward with our games, and we're also um, whenever the Exandria game ends. Because, like I said, you know, December, we're working on the two-year anniversary of it. So, we don't know when that's wrapping up, but we like to plan in ahead for the after. Because that game can go on for however long. But it's the after that's going to start mattering sooner or later. Mm -hmm. And that's where the 5th edition Team Chaos reboot comes in. Where we... Take our 3, 5, and whatever else there was there. 2nd edition. (laughs) Yeah, whatever that version of Warth was, we're going to be taking all that mess, cleaning it up, spitting, polishing it, and turning it into 5th edition. Changing up some of the lore so that way it's not as...
1: Inconsistent.
0: Asinine, yeah. Because some of it really doesn't make any sense. Yeah, fair. And some of it just... Is stupid. It is. But we're going to be making some, you know, logical sense of it. We're going to be changing up some characters and, once again, multi-theory because the original campaign stays the way it was, but we're going to be- we're going to be making a hell of our lives because we're going to play all three campaigns- quote-unquote, together at the same time of Team Chaos, Sebastian's Red Legion, and the Ravandor group with Laurel.
1: Yep, because technically those three campaigns, even though they were played at wildly different times... They all
0: technically happened at the same time.
1: Yeah, they were played at wildly different times in the real world, however, uh, parts of them happened concurrently in-game. Yep. And so we're gonna have multiple different parties all interacting together, yep. at different points in time in this new thing, which is gonna be a fun experiment. Yeah, it's also very similar to how Fate of Drakenheim is running right now.
0: Yeah, so
1: so I have a good template to work with.
0: So in the case of Andrew and I, obviously, you know, we're the most uh, screwed because, well, we're in all the campaigns. So we you know, and in Andrew's case well, he's also running it, so he's also struggling with that.
1: Well, uh, I will be, I'm not yet.
0: Yeah. But um in the case of the Team Chaos game, we don't have our original Jack Frost player with us anymore. We haven't for a long time, but we will have
1: We miss you, Sean.
0: We'll have a friend, um our friend Travis take up that mantle. Yeah. Because he's the one that's interacted with Jack Frost the most out of everybody. And also, I think something we promised him at one point, long time ago anyway. And he's really excited.
1: Not to mention, he, he does have just the right kind of crazy to pull Jack Frost off.
0: Well, he also read the book series that he's from.
1: Oh, that's right. He did read the monologue. Yeah, yeah. he
0: read all of it. So he also has the most, like book knowledge of him.
1: Yeah, I didn't even read anything but the first volume.
0: Because we couldn't find anything but the first volume. Yep, yeah,
1: but that is what the whole thing Sean based him off of was, so...
0: Yep. But yeah, so... We have our three characters covered, and then everyone else will branch out from there.
1: I believe Josh is excited to bring Torn into that one.
0: I believe so, too. But, um... In the case of Sebastian's game... His entire group is getting a facelift because it'll just be Andrew and I as, once again, our characters, which Andrew had three in that game because it was Andrew, Sean, and I running characters. I had one. They had two to three.
1: Well, we were experimenting with different stuff and we wanted to kind of play the field a little bit and see what we liked, but that campaign, unfortunately, never ended up getting off the ground before we came to college and decided to start a new... Yeah. So it'll be good to actually let Sebastian have his spotlight in mm. actual game time rather than just in lore that we had to make up.
0: Yeah, even if it isn't the way that it was intended to be done, you know, it'll be a version of it out there somewhere. And then, um we'll be doing you know, we'll all have our characters those of us that were in Uh, The Ravandor game, we will have our characters from that to play as.
1: Yep, which means we'll get to have Talos, we'll get to have Laurel, Myrden, Axel,
0: Grim. Yep, so we'll be, you know, putting that out to our uh, group in full in the future months. And, you know, obviously party sizes vary, so not everybody's got to be in every party, you know but if you know the say Team Chaos is working with uh Sebastian well everybody's gotta be there you know and don't feel like playing two characters at the same time cause I mean not everybody wants to do that or can handle it you know what what have you whatever the reason is well now we get the fun of figuring out why the character's not there
1: not to mention we could always mix and match games like different groups
0: yep and that's the other fun thing because you know schedules not everybody can make every single game so that's where the varying party sizes come in because i mean realistically up until like my junior well past my after my junior year my senior year um well even partially through my junior uh team cast was a three-man crew (laughs) Like, yeah. we started out strong with, like, five, six of us, but, yeah, it was three, so, I mean...
1: That's why Jack, Korn, and Luthien have always been...
0: Important ones, yeah. Yeah. But, The like, cornerstones of Team Chaos. But, like, you know, with that being our foundation, you know, however big or small the parties have to be, you know, it'll work. But, you know, Andrew and I, you know, obviously Andrew's used to playing multiple characters because he's the DM to, like, everything, practically... I'm used to playing the entire Emil family all at the same time because I've done it so many times.
1: Oh, and you, unless Jack decides to change his mind, you'll be getting joined by another member of our group playing a person in the Emil family, technically.
0: Well, the Malayas family, but yeah. yeah. but extended. Yeah, uh, Sebastian's brother.
1: Which would make him uh, half-brother
0: uh, to Luthien. Yeah. Because he's uh, the, on the Drow side of the family.
1: Yep. Nod. Nod Malaya. Yes.
0: Uh, Jack actually paid attention to Drow lore and culture and everything, so.
1: And named the character appropriately. Yep. But with all that being said.
0: Yeah. You know, the the real future of us playing D and D is you know the little engine that could.
1: Yep, we're gonna keep going. We're gonna keep making badass characters and having a grand old time.
0: Gonna keep struggling with that scheduling. Aren't we all? <laughs> I think that's just part of the D&D experience, though. What?
1: If the memes teach us anything, oh yeah.
0: But yeah, it's been fun.
1: Well, Should we wrap up?
0: Yeah, I'm ready to wrap this up.
1: Me too. I'm gonna have a lot of work to do.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But thank you all so much for listening. Uh, it's been really nice to get back into this, and this is gonna be an extra long episode to make up for the fact of how long we've been gone.
0: Yeah, but we're gonna be going down to a month an episode, an episode a month though, not the biweekly thing anymore. It's just. It's not fit in our schedule for a lot of reasons.
1: There's too much life and not enough to do.
0: Yeah. And well check that reverse it. <laughs> yeah. There's not enough life for how much we have to do and um you know, to be able to put out quality content that we actually want to put out and enjoy to put out. You know, we'll be doing extras, like little shorts probably. Um Sooner or later, I'd like to, in the coming months, put out something where I just talk about, with Andrew's help, um, the playlists that I build for our games, things like that. We're going to talk more about how we build the environment for our games, because that's not something we've really handled or covered yet, and that's a lot of the gaming thing, too, besides the game itself. Yeah. You know. That's like the uh, the the fish and um SpongeBob put it, you know, food, water, atmosphere. Mm-hmm. You need all three to make for a good time. Not just in your f- dying experience, but your gaming experience. <laughs> so you know we'll cover all that kind of stuff coming up.
1: Hell yeah. And then
0: uh. you know maybe Andrew, will do like DM tips or. Things.
1: Yeah, we'll have to see if I can come up with anything that I think hasn't already been covered on YouTube.
0: Yeah, that's fair.
1: Well, we'll see what I can find out.
0: Either way, you know, we hope you enjoyed this. We hope you keep playing.
1: Hope you keep listening.
0: Yep, yeah, and keep clicking those dice.
1: Uh <sighs> Thank you all so much for listening, and
0: we'll catch you on the next episode
1: of Tavern for Two.